It's Monday, June 14th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Over the weekend, a judge threw out a lawsuit by employees of Houston Methodist Hospital after the hospital mandated that they get COVID vaccines. 117 employees joined the failed lawsuit, alleging they did not want to be part of the vaccine experiment. Many legal experts agree that employers can mandate vaccinations as conditions of employment. The G7 summit also agreed this past weekend to give 1 billion vaccine doses to poorer countries, half of which will be supplied by the United States. Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News, joins us for this and a preview of President Biden's meeting with Vladimir Putin. Next, it's becoming a lot more common in the lives of high-profile people and celebrity circles, non-disclosure agreements. Want to party with a celeb or get romantically involved? You might have to sign an NDA. But there are questions of legality and enforcement. Even some of the lawyers that draft up NDAs inform their clients that while they might feel more comfortable having them sign them, not all parts could be enforceable. Many people are confused or regret signing them, and it's important to know that these protect the celebrity, not the person signing them. Hallie Lieberman, sex historian and contributor to BuzzFeed News, joins us for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. What that generated was a commitment by the rest of our colleagues at the G7 that they would provide another half billion. Uh, So we're going to have a billion doses of vaccine. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. Wanted to start off with an interesting case surrounding COVID vaccines. The Houston Methodist Hospital Group mandated that everybody on their staff there get a vaccine so they can, you know, be safe and continue to care for patients. You know, it's a huge hospital group. They had about 25,000 staff members that did get their inoculations and 117 employees ended up filing a lawsuit. Over the weekend on Saturday, a judge threw that lawsuit out and said they could mandate this as part of uh, conditions for working there. That's right. So most employers in the U.S. are really grappling with this mandatory receiving the vaccine or even disclosing that they've received the vaccine question. But for hospitals particularly, they're used to this. They often require that people have a flu shot. So this is not something that's unusual for a hospital to require vaccines. And Methodist in Houston did. And like you said, there was 117 employees who sued after they were put on suspension. And the judge just really shot down all of their arguments in a ruling this weekend, called it reprehensible that they would compare the mandate for them to get a COVID vaccine to experimentation on Jewish people in concentration camps and Nazi Germany and said that, you know, look, it was within the parameters of the hospital uh, to require this. And it did not violate the state's at will provisions in their employment law. Yeah. As you mentioned, going down line by line, just shooting every part of it down. And it, it really just underscores the fact that businesses, employers can mandate these things as conditions of working for them in, in a lot of places. And, you know, on the flip side, too, businesses can also refuse service to people that fail to disclose that they've been vaccinated. You know, they can't force you to show them, but they can refuse you that service. So, uh, you know, as you mentioned, this kind of is the ongoing concerns over vaccinations and, and trying to get proof of them. But we'll continue to see if if more lawsuits pop up. Wanted to move on to the G7 summit. Uh, it was also play, uh, taking place over the weekend. They decided overall that all the countries are going to donate collectively one billion vaccine doses to poorer countries. The U.S. is going to donate about 500 million of that one billion. 
people in the U.S. might not all realize that we're just moving uh, our vaccinations at such a faster rate than the rest of the world. Even parts of Europe, not quite at our level of vaccinations yet, with some some exceptions, places like Israel. Uh, But we've really gotten out ahead of this. And as a result, the president, the administration says it's now important for the U.S. to turn to helping the rest of the world. So providing a half billion of those billion vaccines that are promised to poorer nations. And President Biden has said that this is really in the U.S. interest. As long as the pandemic continues to rage anywhere in the world, the U.S. is at risk, particularly that we could see mutations of the virus that then uh, become resistant to vaccines and, and come back to the U.S. China was also in the crosshairs at the G7 summit. They were uh, trying to say that they need to handle their human rights issues a little bit better. And also, everybody was calling for another type of investigation to the origins of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, You know, this lab leak theory continues to persist right now. That's right. You know, the G7 is really the U.S.'s best chance to come together with allies to press back against China and the growth that China and growing influence that China has around the globe. Uh, Countries like the UK, like Germany, like France, share the United States' interest in sort of putting the pressure on China. And so we saw it on two fronts, some on economic issues and as well as the human rights issues, the abuses of people in the country, the Uyghur people, we saw them talking about that. And then as you mentioned, COVID, I mean, this all started in China. And I think we've seen a bit of a sea change in the last few weeks in the US and around the globe, renewing questions about where exactly this virus came from and wanting to get to the bottom of it. This is the first big meeting of the G7 with President Biden in place. Pretty stark contrast, I think, to how President Trump was running things. What have we heard on that front? How, how have the allies been getting along? Biden knows many of these world leaders from his years as the chair of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate and then as vice president under Barack Obama. So these are familiar faces to him. But we have gotten reports from our allies and from inside the White House that he's getting along very well. And I think that that's indicative of the difference in approach that he and former President Trump had. President Trump went to the G7 and other similar conferences like this wanting to fight with foreign leaders. There's that sort of iconic picture of him sitting there with his arms crossed as Angela Merkel tries to convince him of something in a meeting. Whereas Biden really wants to go in and build ties, make the United States work with our allies more and be friendly. It's just different approaches and we're seeing that play out. Biden's trip is going to end with a big meeting with Vladimir Putin of Russia He's going to do a solo press conference after that. Uh, You know, it's not going to be like the one where Trump and they were both there and and all that number of issues to talk about there, especially the cyber attacks that have been coming on, you know, U.S. infrastructure from these Russian ransomware gangs. That's going to be one of the top things they talk about. That's right. I I think you point out the one with President Trump and Helsinki might have been one of the most unusual moments of the Trump presidency when they had that joint press conference. The Biden White House is not going to have anything that looks like this. And the the press conference he'll do afterwards, President Biden by himself, is really meant and designed to give him the opportunity to say that he pressed Putin on issues like these cyber attacks that appear to be coming from Russian soil on some human rights issues, on some other global issues, on telling him to leave our elections alone. I think Biden is going to really try to come out and make the case that he was a forceful and and took a strong position against Putin. Ginger Gibson, 
Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This has no legal value. And I think it's very telling that his clients still have him draft that in general, because it shows that it's not about law. It's not about something that has value in the legal system that can be upheld. It's about power. Joining us now is Hallie Lieberman, sex historian and contributor to BuzzFeed News. Thanks for joining us, Hallie. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk about NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, and how we're seeing pre-sex NDAs on the rise right now. We're seeing them with celebrities, uh, other high-profile people, but there's a lot of questions about their legality, their enforceability, who it's actually protecting, because it's uh, most likely not protecting the person who's signing it. It's built for the other person. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're just kind of seeing this increasing a little bit more. Uh, Hallie, tell us a little bit about the whole notion of these NDAs, and then we'll get into a a lot of other stuff, because you kind of did a deep dive into it. Yeah, so I read Dumas, and so I kept seeing these people writing in and being like, he made me sign an NDA, you know, some B-list, celebrity B-list, and I thought, is this real? Like, like signed an NDA right before we had sex. I thought it was something that was made, could have been made up because the gossip blog, like you never know what's real or not. So I like tweeted about it and I got these responses that, yeah, this is real and A-listers are doing it. And I was kind of shocked because why would you have to sign a document before sex? Like, and it's not like a consent. I could understand if it was like you consent to oral sex, anal sex, whatever. But it was just like, you can't tell anybody this happened. Right. You know, you talk about uh, in your story, you profile someone named Cassie who kind of went through this whole thing. And, uh, you know, I just have to read from uh, her accounting of this. Uh, uh, she was at a party with somebody. It turns to, hey, let's start doing something. And the guy says, you know, I really like you. Do you want to make out? And then she said, okay, yeah well, I'm going to have to you sign this piece of paper first. And she's like, what the hell is this? It's like, oh, it's standard. Everybody's, everybody's doing them. Everybody's asking for them. It's just so you make sure you don't talk about anything that happened tonight. I mean, right away, that's so off-putting. It's like, it's kind of nuts, like, to be, like, in some romantic, like, even, like, a one-night stand, whatever, you're in that moment, and then someone whips out, like, a piece of paper, like, I would expect them to like, you know, whip out like sex toys or, you know, something fun, but like a legal document is <laughs> right. very shocking moment. And especially because this woman in particular had been, he just asked her to do cocaine. And as she pointed out, like it was in the article, like why wouldn't you ask someone to sign an NDA before you did coke with them? It's like the making out and having sex is a you know part you want to hide, not like cocaine and all the other stuff you're doing. It's it's really it's really interesting to me. As I mentioned, there's questions of legality and enforcement. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with in the words that are used in the documents. But you spoke to a few uh, lawyers. Gloria Allred was one of them, and and people who draft up these NDAs for their clients and whatnot. What do they look like? What do they say? So a lot of them don't particularly like specifically mention sex. It's just like, you know, any activities we do between the two of us or anything that you experience, you can't talk about. But some of them do say like the period of our romantic relationship, you must not tell your friends, your family members, anything about our relationship, you know, and 
as I mentioned in the article, there's this woman who had, and they asked her to wear rockabilly clothing and this band member did and like fly out for sex parties. And it's very, you know, off-putting if you're supposed to do all these things and then you can't even tell like your best friend, according to the document, what you're doing or where you're going. It's completely unsafe. Like Gloria Allred said, people shouldn't be signing these, period. You know, like just don't. Like this is not, it's to protect the person who is drafting it, not to protect you. And so why can't some of these things be enforceable sometimes? I mean, you're signing a document. I, I it, Off the top of your head, you're probably thinking, well, this is something legal. You know, I can't talk about it after I've already done it. But there's some things that I guess could get you out of it if, if you want. You know, you can't exchange sex for money. So that's not really on the table in that front. So you talk about uh, this uh, legal term consideration. There has to be consideration for you to not say something. So how does that all work? So usually, like, if someone, like, say you work for Amazon and they're like, okay, you have to sign a document saying that you can't tell anybody about Alexa's newest thing. Usually, if you work for them, the consideration would be money. They'd be like, here's a thousand bucks, sign this. We're paying for your silence. And so with the sex NDAs, the consideration is that you have to sign this and what you're gaining is having sex with this A-list celebrity or D-list or whatever list. But because prostitution is not legal in the U.S., like sex cannot be considered currency or consideration in a contract. Um, You can't like trade sex as like the value for a contract. So it wouldn't hold up in court. You know, one of the lawyers I spoke to said like, oh, well, spending time because a lot of these contracts don't say like sex. It's just like you're getting to spend time with this person. And she said a court would hold up you know, spending time with a person, a famous person is consideration. But other lawyers I spoke to said there's no way. And, you know, I spoke to a bunch of lawyers for this article. Also, my dad's a contract lawyer, like does contract law. I spoke extensively with him and my brother. Like I talked to like even more lawyers than were in the article about this. And they say like, there's no way. Like I haven't spoken to any lawyer who says that these kind of things could hold up. And so I've probably talked to you about six or eight right. lawyers yep. and, and no one says that. And you talked to a lot of women who did sign these and, and did go through it. And it's not just, you know, men making women sign these non-disclosures. It goes the other way too. You mentioned that, but um, you did talk to a, a few people who said, you know, they regretted it. Obviously they didn't know what they were getting into at first. And, you know, just kind of the pressure that went with being presented with the document and signing it, it worked. They, it made them feel like they had to keep quiet about all of this stuff. One of the most shocking things was from speaking to an entertainment lawyer who actually tells his clients, these don't hold up in court. This has no legal value. And I think it's very telling that his clients still have him draft that in general, because it shows that it's not about law. It's not about something that has value in the legal system that can be upheld. It's about power. That's what that says. It's like if someone's saying, yes, I want you to do that, they are saying yes. I want to have this to protect myself because I know whoever I make sign this or suggest sign this is going to be like kind of cowed into submission and not say anything. So I think that it's like kind of this weird game where the person, it's not just celebrities. Like I talked to sex workers too, who said there were powerful people like who work for corporations who were making people sign it. And then one of the sex workers I spoke to, Mistress Kai was like, you know, guys who are just married are like, you need to sign an NDA so my wife doesn't find out. And she's like, uh, 
no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and that's one side of it. And and you're right. uh, That that part was interesting, too. Uh, You know, and she is a sex worker. Her thing is being the dominant one. And she said she would be willing to sign some NDAs if it helped build that trust between her and her client. So in that sense of it, you know, she would be okay with it. But she takes those extra pains to read through the document, consult a lawyer if she doesn't understand something that's in there. And then she does it off of feeling, too. If she's getting a weird vibe off of somebody, she's not going to sign it. It all gets so murky because you did mention in Article 2, you know, very few of these are enforced or you're, you know, very few times do you get taken to court because this because in doing so, you're acknowledging something happened. You know, all the details can come out at that point. So uh, the whole purpose of it is to protect the privacy of these people. I mean, you're going to lose that if you start going to court and everything. Yeah. So like going to court invalid basically like is goes against the whole purpose, which was to keep you silent. But I think another key thing that's really important that I did mention in the article is you can always speak to a lawyer about your NDA and the, I was going to say patient client, there's lawyer client confidentiality. You know, that's what Gloria Allred said, make clear, you can always do that. You can always go to the police. And that's, you know, the fear is like you get raped or you, you know, something non-consensual, anything non-consensual happens. A lot of people think I signed an NDA. I can't speak to anyone. That is not true. And that was one of the points I wanted to make clear in the article. If someone commits a crime, you can always, and even if they don't, you can always speak to a lawyer about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that goes on in all of this. Obviously, you know, you got to be super careful about the wording because you could be on the hook for certain things. I mean, it's not like it's not like these are completely unenforceable. Yeah, like, you know, I heard mixed things. I heard some people say there's no way this could be enforced. Allred said, like, some of it could be enforced, and and I do trust her. So, yeah, you have to be careful, and that's why you shouldn't sign them to begin with, but... As she mentioned in the article, you know, I mean, a lot of times how this works is you go to a party and Justin Bieber came up a lot in this article. You go to his party and they just hand you an NDA or you can't go in. You have to sign it. And then if you hook up with him or one of his friends, then you're not supposed to say anything. And that is like where a lot of the danger comes in because people want to go to a party. Of course, yeah. You know, they want, and they're 18 years old and they're like, yeah, I get to party with this person. I'm just going to sign it because everyone else is. And it's just the thing that's happening. And it's hard to be the one to say, hell no, this right. isn't worth it. And so, you know, and that's what Gloria Allred was saying was like, people do get like, you know, she's like, if one member of the star's entourage, like, assaults you that, you know, a teenager might be like, you know, I can't tell anyone about this. And then they never do. They don't tell a therapist and, and then they're traumatized. I understand why celebrities are doing it because. You know, look, you want to protect your interests. And there are people who just want to, you know, sleep with a celebrity and tell their story. And but I think there are other ways to, you know, if you're going to sleep with someone like you can just tell them, hey, please don't, you know, tell the press. And they might not listen. But if you, you know, don't trust someone to not tell the press about something then don't don't sleep with them. Hallie Lieberman, sex historian and contributor to BuzzFeed News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright. 
and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.